0: Today, on the doorstep of Broncos OTAs, we are going to preview the position battles to watch, talk about some of the storylines we need to keep tabs on. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Oh, yeah. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. I am your host, Chad Jensen. With me is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports, my partner. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we're about to be served up some actual football, albeit in practice form, before the final stretch that leads up to training camp when it all gets real. What's good, my brother? Nothing much. There's been
1: radio silence out of Dove Valley for the last couple weeks or so, but now uh, practices are going to ramp up a little bit. We're going to see some live action or at least some non-contact live action, so I'm (laughs) excited about that.
0: Yeah, Zach and I were just talking about it off air that we're looking forward to the next couple weeks because there's some actual football. There's going to be players made available to us in the media, some quotes, some storylines, some angles, and we're going to finally start to see this thing begin at least to take shape. Finally, but uh, listen up, everybody! Before we jump into things, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod, and wherever you're listening, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, our listeners on YouTube. Shout out to you guys! Make sure you're subscribing. Big deal. Also, if you haven't done this, take some time. This is a call to action. Make sure you leave a creative review of the show. And uh, rate it. It's absolutely important and vital for us in terms of growing, reaching new listeners. It's a big deal. So, if you're a religious listener to this show, steady, consistent listener, just take two minutes and leave a creative review. We really appreciate it. And uh, one last piece of business before we jump into this thing we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. You guys go out and get yourselves a free audio book download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash huddle up. There's over 180,000 different titles to choose from, whether you're on an iPhone, Android, Kindle, or just a good old MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash huddle up. This is a, an app, a service, a product, whatever you want to call it that I literally use on the reg. Every single day I'm listening to audible. Now I have a paid subscription. This is, you know, I've been, I've been using this now for a couple of years, but as someone who is a voracious reader like myself, I'm a busy dude. I got this gig, I've got a wife, I've got four kids, i got a mortgage to pay. I got all kinds of stuff cooking, which means I don't always have time to sit down and turn the pages on the books that I want to read. But what Audible does is it allows me to get these books under my belt while I'm doing other things. And it's always good production value. The narration and the audio production is always phenomenal. And I'll listen while I'm on the road. I'll listen while I'm at the gym. I'll listen while I'm in the yard, in the kitchen. So I promise you, you, you like listening to podcasts. You like the audio medium. You will absolutely love Audible. And we're giving you a chance to try it free and get a free audiobook. Get 30 days to check it out. Go to audibletrial.com huddle up. And again, we want to say thank you to our sponsor. And as a call to action, support the show by patronizing our sponsors. All right. The Denver Broncos have all convened at Dove Valley to begin the team's off-season training activities. And the action, of course, starts on Tuesday. We're going to see the players in helmets, out on the grass, running plays, and just getting after it. Now, according to the NFL, in case you guys were wondering, Phase 3 consists of basically the next four weeks of the program. Teams can conduct a total of 10 days of organized team practice activity, or OTAs. No live contact is permitted, but... You're going to see 7-on-7s, seven 9-on-7s, and 11-on-11 11 11 drills. They're all permitted. And so the Broncos will hold OTAs this week, the 22nd of May through the 24th, the next week, May 29th through the 31st, and then June 4th through the 7th, and then the Broncos will host its mandatory mini minicamp uh, from June 12th through the 14th. But the competition for these valuable 53 uh, roster spots is, they start now, Zach. And some fans might view OTAs as kind of a football interruptus, you know, like it's a—it's not the real thing, which compared to a game it certainly isn't. But it is practice. It does count. And I kind of look at it like this. I want to hear what your thoughts are. But, you know, as players, these guys, especially the rookies and the young dudes, they're all looking to kind of build credits, put credits in the bank, so to speak, in the eyes of the coaches. You know, these young guys are, are training – Uh, They're they're trying to put some notches up on the wall that hopefully by the time training camp and preseason concludes, it all adds up to a sum that equals them having a place on the roster. So, you know, it all counts, in my opinion. And as an analyst, Zach, for you, what are you scrutinizing? What are you paying close attention to during OTAs? Or what are some of the things we can and can't take away from it? To your analogy, if they're
1: looking to build credit in the bank, OTAs are when they open their account for the first time. It's... Non-contact practices—you can't take too much out of it. This is not training camp where you have full pads and and goal line drills. It's more than a walkthrough, but less than a full practice. What you can take out of it, though, is seeing the starting units come together. You're going to see the starting offense, the rebuilt offense with a new quarterback, a new running game, the offensive line in place that was overhauled, all the new receiving weapons out there. So you can look at some of the roster, the depth charts, and the and the lineups, and you can start to gather what it's going to look like come September. You can can't take away or you can't conclude anything based on 3 days worth of practices even if they have three sets of them. It's going to be very scripted practices. Yeah. It's going to be 7 on 7s, 9 on 7s and 11 on 11 drills. You're going to see the starting offense versus the starting defense, but you cannot make any determinations on roster spots. You cannot determine who's going to win certain positions out of these practices you can look at the very first picture coming together now but you can't paint the full picture until
0: training camp and then beyond that that's right but that doesn't mean we can't chew this thing up and spit it out and analyze the you know what out of it and we'll start with that with some of these battles to watch I mean we're entering a 2018 campaign in which the Broncos are literally looking to turn the ship around and the battle for roster spots and starting jobs officially begin in OTAs with these guys looking to build their credit at the bank. So let's do a quick run through on some of the jobs that are legitimately open for competition, that are right for the taking. And of course we'll start with the topic that seems to be very high on the minds of many in Broncos Country, and that's the backup quarterback job. You got Case Keenum as the leader and the unquestioned starter, but Paxton Lynch will square off against Chad Kelly in the quarterback octagon for that backup job. Zach What are you hoping to see in this particular roster battle as it applies to OTAs? Well, for Paxton Lynch, I want to see consistency,
1: which is something we haven't seen in two years. There's no more excuses for him now. He's entering his third season. He has continuity on the coaching staff under Bill Musgrave. He's invested himself, or at least he should invest himself, in the playbook this offseason. It's all for the taking now. He has no pressure on him anymore. Even Vance Joseph said he wants him to sit back and relax and not have to worry about becoming the QB1. And it's on him to beat out another seventh-round pick. If he loses to another seventh-rounder, Mr. Irrelevant, Chad Kelly, he Mm. knows that it would cement himself as a bust, as a massive first-round bust. So if he wants to have a job in the NFL or the Denver Broncos – he has to take that next step. And it starts in OTAs, it starts by showing some sort of command of the offense, some command of the playbook, and as a veteran, at least in terms compared to Chad Kelly, he needs to be able to show that he can put the offense somewhat on his shoulders. Now for Chad Kelly, this is a guy who's the biggest wild card on the in the QB room and one of the biggest wild cards on the team. He didn't play at all last year, he hasn't played a snap since 2016, he's coming off dual surgeries to his wrist and knee, but he has all the tools there. Fans love him. The team is very high on him. He lost a ton of weight. He has full uh, mobility. He has a great arm strength right now. So you want to see what he can do now that he's healthy and now that he's getting mostly a a level playing field for that backup job. So it's going to be interesting. And I'm hoping to see both of them step their game up because if they they both play at a high level, it ultimately benefits the Broncos.
0: That's right. The I mean, at the end of the day, the Broncos are looking for guys who are going to help the team improve and turn around from that 5-11 and finish. What I'm looking for in terms of Paxton Lynch, just off the bat, is, I mean, I can't disagree with anything you said there, but one thing that jumps out to me that I'd like to see from Paxton Lynch, and I'm hoping that Chad Kelly might rub off on him in this sense, is some fire. I want to see him mad. Absolutely. Dude. I want to see Paxton Lynch pissed off and throwing down that going into his third year in the nfl as a first round pick he's having to battle and openly compete for just the backup quarterback job i mean that's where he is at in his career and you know you compare it to the last couple of seasons with with paxton lynch and the the example that he's seen you have a gomer pile type okay. you know uh In Trevor Simeon that's just kind of lukewarm, never gets fired up, no emotion, just even killed, which isn't necessarily always bad, but certainly I don't think was the influence at the top, that quarterback position that the Broncos ultimately needed uh, in in the wake of losing Peyton Manning. So Paxton Lynch, now though, he sees a guy in Case Keenum to his left, the guy above him on the on the depth chart, who is a leader, who is a fiery, enthusiastic, excited guy uh, at the quarterback position, and then behind him, coming up trying to take his job, an extremely Type A alpha personality kid in Chad Kelly. So I hope that motivates him. And I think you know we talk about Paxton lacking things between the ears and what it takes between the ears up to this point anyway. And I think that a lot of that is just simply motivation. A lot of that is just you know, the natural fire that guys have to have in order to compete with some of the best athletes in the world uh, at the at the pro level. And so that's what I'm hoping to see from Paxton Lynch. Now from Chad Kelly, I want to see him parlay what he's been able to do thus far into uh, a dependable, consistent performance in training camp, something that he can really hang his hat on and kind of prove to the coaches that he can be dependable, They can trust him in a backup job, you know, put some major credits in the bank heading into training camp. I don't think you
1: can e- really teach personality. Uh, to your point, though, I agree with you. But if Paxton Lynch is very passive, or at least he doesn't have the reputation of swag Kelly, you right. can't really force him to be that type. And if you start to force him, you might he might end up you know trying too hard. He might end up pressing, so that can go against him too. So it's it's mostly on him as in the mental grasp of the game, at least in my opinion. He has to show he can master the playbook and run the offense, at least in practice, at least with the second team. There is no excuse for a fr- former first-round pick in his third season not to be able to run an offense in practice. There is no excuse for it.
0: You know, it's that's the thing is I, I agree with you that from a personality standpoint, you know, we are who we are, right? Like, it's it's you're not just going to turn the page and all of a sudden tomorrow become a different person. But at the very least, what I want to see from Lynch is some urgency. You know what I mean? I, I want to see a guy, how he responds in a situation where he is literally backed into a corner because – that's where it, what it all comes down to in the NFL. Are you going to fight, or are you going to take flight? And we might not know the answer to that question two weeks from now, necessarily, from Paxton Lynch. But again, we're going to start seeing some pieces to that puzzle fall into place. So it's an exciting battle to look forward to. Now, moving on, we know the running back job is wide open. I mean, Devontae Booker, he might open up the proceedings as a starter, but... Third rounder Royce Freeman's going to have a little something to say about it. And then you throw in D'Angelo Henderson going into his second year. You got the seventh rounder David Williams and a little sprinkling of Philip Lindsey, the undrafted rookie. This might be the most intense roster battle of the summer, or at the very least as it applies to a starting job. Now, after reading Eric Trickle's VIP film review on David Williams' uh, senior year at Arkansas, I'm tapping him as a sleeper officially to make this roster. I had my doubts about David Williams. I'll be honest with you. I didn't really know a whole heck of a lot about him when the Broncos made that selection in the seventh round. Right. Based on the research I've done, watching some tape myself, seeing Eric's breakdown, I'm a lot more bullish on him now. Not necessarily coming in to be a starter. Okay, I'm not. I'm not tapping him as the dark horse to win the starting job. But I see him with very good odds of making this roster just based on his skill set, work ethic, and just overall ability. The dude has some talent, Zach. But uh, who's your early pick to win the starting job here? So Right out of the gates, you're going to have Devontae Booker as the number one. He's going to
1: open OTAs with the starting offense with the first string and that's always been the plan. They released C.J. Anderson in part to give Booker and D'Angelo Henderson more carries. So Booker has the early odds to come out as the starting running back, but I think ultimately it will be a three-headed approach. A true three-headed backfield like they wanted to have last season and it failed miserably with Jamal Charles. So I think Devontae Booker will be the number one. And then behind them, that's the Real battle with Royce Freeman, the third round rookie and D'Angelo Henderson, who showed a lot of promise last season it, to that point. I think Freeman will get number two duties and I think he will handle early work, early down work, you know, obvious running situations and see duties to Devontae Booker on third downs on passing opportunities. Beyond that, though, it, between David Williams and Philip Lindsay, they're not going to both make the 53. They might not even, not neither of them might make the 53. They have one roster spot for two players. My money between those two is on Philip Lindsay, if only because he can play special teams. He can be that pawn returner for the Broncos. And if he wins that competition, which he's expected to compete in, that will solidify his roster spot. And in that case, and I think David Williams will end up on the practice squad. Either way, though, they have a lot of talent in that backfield, and whether, it's on their active roster or the practice squad it's a youthful backfield a very complementary backfield a good skill set a good mix of players and I think it's exciting for Broncos fans going forward
0: a lot of that roster math as it applies to the running back position is going to also be determined by what Denver ultimately decides to do with the fullback position yes and one Andy Janovich and that's not necessarily a topic for today but it's definitely something that Bears monitoring going forward, and I think both of us are somewhat on the record here of saying that you know we don't really understand the man crush that Broncos country I, at large tends to have. I, I mean, don't Andy get it, Janovich. I mean, he did take his first carry in the in the league to the house and all that, but at a certain point, the Broncos need guys who can make an impact today on offense, contribute to W's, uh, and even though he's a he's a multi tool guy in terms of being able to contribute on offense and special teams the fullback position it's just not a high impact in today's nfl so we'll see how that roster math plays out but that's the next starting job that we want to focus on here is tight end and as you wrote about over the weekend zach jeff hireman answers otas as the incumbent starter who's penciled in at tight end how do you read into that and you know what does it mean for the tight end competition moving forward I read into it as seniority.
1: Nothing more than that. He's the most senior tight end on the roster as a 2015 third-round pick. And I'm on record as saying that I'm not the biggest fan of Hireman. I think he's been kind of a bust with the Broncos. He hasn't had much of an opportunity behind Virgil Green. And maybe now with Green out of the picture, the Broncos feel they can get more out of him. But I'm not the biggest Hireman fan. I'm a much bigger fan of Jake Butt. And I think he's a better inline blocker. I think he's a better pass catcher in the middle of the field. I think ultimately, Hireman will run with the ones in the OTAs, but by the time the season rolls around, you will see a lot of Jake Butt in this offense, if only as a pass catcher. And you also have Troy Fumagalli, and I think if the Broncos were totally committed to giving Hireman tight end one duties, they would not have drafted another pass-catching tight end with a fairly... A significant pick in the fifth round. It's not a first round pick, but you know they invested somewhat in the tight end position again. They didn't sign a veteran tight end. They want to go with their, their younger players. And you have Austin Treller on the roster too. To your point though about Jenevich real quick though, I think if they cut him one of these tight ends could be the blocker on running situations. Yeah. So they might have to divvy up the duties there. But it's ultimately just a formality I think with hireman as a starter. I don't think it will last into the regular season. I think Jake Butt has a lot to offer. Very high ceiling. I think he will show that sooner than later
0: and you see this a lot in the nfl where you know the draft class comes in otas get kicked off and the incumbents the guys who you know they have some some seniority in the locker room they get penciled in and they start at the top of the depth chart but at the end of the day the cream rises to the top and this is basically jake butt's job to lose and i had a guy who i trust he's a he's a credentialed media member in Denver that's there every day tell me he thinks that Jeff Hireman is actually the most athletic tight end the Denver Broncos have. I would disagree in that sense. I think he has some talent, you know, but going back to those things of uh, between the ears, that point, that's one of the things that Hireman seems to have lacked. And I know for a fact that the Broncos have been disappointed in Jeff Hireman in terms of his approach to life as a pro and not necessarily taking this as seriously as he should, treating it as as literally a job, right? Because kids come out of college and morphing from life as a student-athlete into a paid professional, it really is a total... It requires a paradigm shift. And it's just not something that Jeff Hireman in his three years in the league has fully embraced. But now you got Virgil Green, he's gone. Jake Butt's pushing from behind. If he's ever going to have a spark to really start trying to show out on what he can do and what the Broncos saw in him way back when to invest that third-round pick, now's the time. And if there is one thing, too, that might help him along that path, speaking of Jeff Hireman, it's the fact that for the first time, the Broncos have a capable quarterback who can distribute the ball and work the middle of the field in case Keenum. So it'll be interesting. I think the quarterback
1: play is going to help everyone on offense, and that's a great point by you in terms of the tight ends because Keenan will need some sort of safety blanket. He cannot rely on just the receivers alone. So any big body in the middle of the field at tight end, whether it's Butt, Hyreman, or Fumagalli, he'll need to establish that guy. And if it's Hyreman, that's great. If he can step up and prove his draft status, great. But I, I'm just a bigger fan of Jake Butt, and I feel he will show his talent. And this was a guy who was a fifth-round pick only because he's he had a torn ACL. If he didn't get injured, he would have been a second, third-round pick. And if he was a second, third-round pick, we wouldn't be having this this conversation right now. (laughs) He'd be the starter. So he will show that sooner than later. But it's good for Hyreman to have competition. Same thing with Paxton Lynch. It's a great point you made. Same thing with Paxton Lynch and Chad Kelly.
0: Competition will only make the Broncos better. Absolutely. Now we move on. Denver's O-line, mostly set in stone with the exception of right guard. Now, we know that Garrett Bowles, Ron Leary, Matt Paradis, and Jared Valdir, when he's completely recovered from his ankle, are four of the starting five. Now, I don't necessarily think we should guarantee that Valdir is going to be the starter because if Billy Turner, who's going to be holding down the four-to-right tackle until he returns, just lights it up and is just killing it going into training camp, it's going to put in a, you know on his toes. He's going to have to battle for that spot, but that remains to be seen. But when it comes to the right guard position... You got guys like Max Garcia, Menelik Watson, Connor McGovern. You got the rookie sixth rounder, Sam Jones, all these guys vying for that position. What are you hoping to see here, Zach? Oh, I'm surprised the Broncos didn't place more of an emphasis on their
1: offensive line in the draft. They waited until the sixth round to get Sam Jones as you just alluded to. But I think McGovern, he showed last year he's a pretty good player when given the chance. And he's good in, in run blocking. He can stand to to improve in pass protection. But I think the Broncos' hiring of Sean Kugler as their interior interior well coach will help McGovern out. And, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Max Garcia. I still think he should be released ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, they might want him for experience sake. But they have Menelik Watson. They have Jones. They have some other guys who can play guard. I'm hoping that competition brings out the best in them. I don't think Jones is ready just yet. I think he needs another year in the weight room uh, to develop a little bit before he can get on the field. And I think it'll come down to McGovern and Menelik Watson. And Watson, though he was a massive failure at right tackle, he might be better suited to play guard. So if they're keeping him with a massive salary. I think maybe guard could be his spot. But I think McGovern will win that that position ultimately. And you have a much improved five. And to your point about Valdir, I think he is locked in to the starting right tackle spot. They assumed his salary. He, it's his last year of his current contract. And they're paying him a pretty penny. And they, mm, wouldn't have, they wouldn't have absorbed that contract. They didn't think he could start. And he will be a huge upgrade on Watson and Donald Stevenson. So as a whole, the Broncos' front five has improved. Turner, he can play guard and tackle, so that's good versatility to have. But I think McGovern will be that
0: right guard when it's all said and done. And he's just such a massive player. If you ever look at Billy Turner, this guy, he's just like an enormous human being, especially all in pads. But, you know, and that is a good point, though, about Veldheer's salary and, and what the Broncos are dealing with from a salary cap perspective. Oftentimes that guarantees guys jobs when not necessarily it should in all cases. Now, I'm not saying that is the situation with Jared Valdir. But the thing I will say, the one caveat, we'll we'll put a pin in this and come back to it down the road, is that it all changes when the cleats hit the grass. You know, things can change depending on individual performance. So it's Agreed. definitely Veldier's job to lose. And, you know, you can't really project too much when a guy's still coming off or recovering from an injury and not even going to be participating in the proceedings. But I agree with you that I think also Sam Jones – He's a guy that you can pretty much count on getting waived, and Broncos will hope they can sneak him onto the practice squad. And at this point, I don't see any reason why they won't be able to. But we move on, the slot receiver. I think it's safe to say that the Broncos drafted Deshaun Hamilton in the fourth round for that position and to eventually take over as the team's number two wideout when Emmanuel Sanders is gone. Now, if you go back and watch his tape, all those stats Hamilton put up at Penn State, the record-breaking stats, most of them – came from the slot and we've got guys you know you got second rounder Cortland Sutton he's not a slot receiver but I'll throw him out there you got Carlos Henderson you got Isaiah McKenzie and you got a few you got 13 receivers on the roster right now okay so there is a log jam at the position but do you see Zach anyone other than Deshaun Hamilton ultimately winning this job
1: No, I think it's his job to lose. Uh, Carlos Henderson is his biggest competition for slot duties because they're both slot receivers. Cortland Sutton is a Demarius Thomas clone who can play inside, but he's mostly an outside threat, a big-body possession receiver. Right now, it's Hamilton's job to lose, and he's only going to be pushed by Henderson, but you've seen nothing from Henderson, literally nothing, that can— you know instill confidence that he can win that spot Hamilton is just better as a route runner he's more polished than Henderson coming out uh, he's just as shifty might not be fully quick and straight line c but he's just as shifty McKenzie I think he won't even win a roster spot he might be in danger there if he loses pun returner duties so it's going to come down to Hamilton versus Henderson I have my money a lot of money on uh, <laughs> Hamilton winning the spot the only other guy you can think of is Jordan Taylor but he's already behind the eight ball coming off hip surgery, he won't be back until mid-camp. So right now, it's Hamilton's job to lose. He is the successor to Emmanuel Sanders, just as Sutton is the successor to Demarius Thomas. So I think your slot receiver will be Hamilton, and you have Thomas and Sanders and Sutton. That's a dangerous set of pass catchers for Case Kingdom.
0: Yep, and if Carlos Sanderson ends up cashing in on any of his potential, the Broncos will have a legit five deep crew at wide receiver, and, and depending on how many they choose to keep, you throw Jordan Taylor into that equation, and it's legit that, you know, Case Keenan's going to have himself some weapons. But, you know, one one quick side note on this that really made me appreciate Deshaun Hamilton's game even more was the VIP film piece that Carl Dummler published over the weekend. Great piece. And, and for those of you who are not subscribing, I mean, this is an article in and of itself that justifies the cost of a subscription for mile high huddle VIP membership. And he's just a great route runner. He's high quality uh, from character, leadership, priorities, motivation. And he is just sneaky good. He's a guy that can come in and, you know, you compare him to Cortland Sutton. I honestly believe that Deshaun Hamilton has a better chance of making an immediate impact than the second-round pick. That mm-hmm. doesn't take anything away from Cortland Sutton because they do play kind of different positions. But, man, I just look forward to seeing Hamilton out there catching passes from Case Keenum. I think anything
1: you get out of Henderson, though, not to you know divert from your topic sure. on Henderson – on Hamilton, excuse me, but anything you get out of Henderson is a bonus. Yeah. He's coming off a washout rookie season. He missed his whole year at, at, with the thumb injury. When he was on the field, he was fumbling kicks. He did not look like he was acclimating to life in the NFL. So I think anything you get out of Henderson in year two is a bonus. They are set with their top four receivers. They might keep six in total, but they are set with their top four, and that's all I think they'll need for immediate contributions. So um, Henderson will have a job. He will make the roster, but I think anything Anything, any sort of
0: production you get out of him will be the cherry on top. He's just got to put down that Mary Jane, you guys, okay? <laughs> he's got to stop sure. chewing, you know, swallowing back uh, Mary Jane <laughs> and getting it all stuck in his teeth and all that stuff, right? <laughs> Can't make for very good breath either if you're trying to, you know, make make good with the ladies either. So anyway, let's hope he's, uh gets it together heading into year two. But that takes care of the starting jobs that are up for grabs really on offense. On the other side of the ball, we start in the trenches. You got Derek Wolf, Doma Pecco as the incumbent starters. But that defensive end spot opposite of Wolf, I think it's wide open. And if nothing comes of the pending criminal case with Adam Gotsis, I think he's likely to win that job, at least on first and second down. But you got guys like Demarcus Walker, last year's second-round pick, Shelby Harris, Zach Kerr free agent acquisition, Clinton McDonald, all these guys vying for that job too. Who do you've got right now, uh, Zach, penciled in at that spot, let's say when the regular season opens up? If he's not sent to prison, it will be Adam Gotsis. If he's a
1: free man, he will start on the Broncos defense at left defensive end, at least on early downs, on running situations. He was great last year. He really broke out. You know, he was a high-round pick in 2016, didn't have the great rookie season, but he really showed out well last year. He will be penciled in on early downs. If he's indicted or if he's suspended or released, you will have a, a really couple good young players in Walker and Shelby Harris competing for that spot. Both are better pass rushers, I feel like, than yeah. run defenders, but I, I think this is a big breakout season for DeMarcus Walker. I love him coming out of FSU. And that is why I was so mad at Vance Joseph for moving him to outside (laughs) linebacker from defensive end. It made no sense at all. To ruin one year of his development, moving him to a position he's not suited to play. But now, he's a full-time defensive end. He put on some weight. He's back to his college playing weight. He showed well last year. He had a big sack in the, the season finale against the Chiefs. I think if Gottes is gone or whatever, it will be DeMarcus Walker in there. I think he will break out, and I think he could be the next next Adam Gottes as a second-round pick. You yep. can come in and light it up the next year. So I think if Gottes is not in trouble, it will be him. But ultimately, regardless, though, I think Walker will show out in year, in his another year with the Broncos.
0: I agree with you on Walker. Even though some of the other guys at uh, Mile High Huddle, uh, Nick, Eric, they're they're not as bullish on Demarcus Walker as we might be. But I'm a, I'm actually quite high on Walker. And I think what we saw from him in Week 17 against the Chiefs is a good window into what he's capable of when a team puts him in the best position to succeed. And I think the Broncos learned from that mistake last season. So it's going to be fun to see him really getting in there and maximizing his talent and starting to cash in on that investment the team made in him. That's such a high round pick last year. Now we move on. We, I think we can expect to see, obviously, I mean, this goes without saying a heavy dose of one Bradley Chubb as a rookie but, and I don't say this to discourage you guys, I don't. you don't need to break out the pitchforks, but are we stretching it if we just assume he's going to be the day one starter? Now, that's a rhetorical question because I do expect him to be, but when the dust settles coming out of camp, you've got guys like Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray who have valuable starting experience in the NFL that are going to have a little something to say about it. Now, here's my question to you, Zach. Do you see either one of those veterans, making this a true competition for Chubb, or is Chubb, by virtue of his talent, by virtue of his draft pedigree, going to be grandfathered the starting job opposite of Von Miller? Well, as the number 5 overall pick, he's obviously the
1: long-term bookend to Miller, so there's no concern about his long-term scope with the Broncos. In the short term, though, I I don't think it's a stretch to say that he might have to compete for a spot. I think he might even open up the season behind Shane Ray at outside linebacker, only because Ray is a veteran, he's a starter for the Broncos, and he has a lot to prove. He's, his fifth-year option was declined. He's going to be a free agent next offseason. He wants to show 31 other NFL teams that he can be a starter in the NFL. Uh, so uh, I ultimately, right now, I feel like if the season started today, it would be Shane Ray and Von Miller, an outside linebacker. Bradley Chubble has to learn to transition from hands in the third defensive end at NC State to stand-up OLB in the NFL. It's not an easy transition to make. And having Von Miller, having the Broncos coaching staff, having Barrett and Ray will help him. It's going to take some time, though. It might not happen overnight. So when the season rolls around... I really feel like it'll be Shane Ray and Von Miller starting at OLB. Will it stay that way? No. I think as the season goes on and Chubb gets more experience, gets his, his feet wet and his teeth cut, he will be starting an outside linebacker. But Shaq Barrett is the guy to watch here because he's playing for a contract also. He will be a free mm-hmm. agent next offseason also. A lot of good motivation on this Broncos pass rushing corpse. But uh, it's it's going to be, in my opinion, my gut feeling right now, it's going to
0: be Ray and Von Miller. But Chubb will be pushing hard. The cream always rises to the top, you guys. Right. So if Bradley Chubb ha- ends up starting off his rookie year behind a Shane Ray or even a Shaq Barrett, it's not the end of the world. He's still going to see a ton of snaps. He's still going to see the field significantly. So it's just something to keep an eye on because you got two, as Zach said there, two guys absolutely motivated heading into 2018. And a quick shout out to Mike Pritchard and Cecil Lamia, at 104.3 The Fan. They brought up... The fact that you know you talk about, well, are the Broncos going to try and bring Shane Ray back after this year? Obviously, they declined the option, but what's going to happen there? They brought up on uh, Monday's show the fact that if you go back to the last 45 players who were drafted in the first round whose respective teams chose not to pick up their fifth-year option, five players, that's it. Five players ended up re-signing with their original team. Wow. Uh-huh first-rounders whose fifth-year options were declined. So the odds significantly are stacked against the idea of Shane Ray coming back to Denver, but that doesn't mean he's not absolutely motivated to get out there and earn himself a big payday in 2019. So it's a great position battle uh, to watch, at the very least, to see how both those guys heading into contract years uh, can can really – Position themselves to make an impact. Now we move on here to one of the juicier competitions this summer the third cornerback spot. You got Chris Harris Jr., you got Bradley Roby, the shoe ins to start, but who's going to take that third position? With the Broncos playing something like 70% of their snaps, I think, in the nickel, the third cornerback job should be viewed as a starting gig. Free agent acquisition, Tremaine Brock, obviously factors in, but you've got the third rounder, Isaac Yadam, as a dark horse to win it. We also, I don't think, should completely discount Brendan Langley and Marcus Rios just off the cuff. I mean, these guys are pros, too. They got talent. They were, you know, they're in the NFL. But how do you see this battle shaping up? Because at the very least, Zach, you've got a guy the Broncos are paying a, you know, a legit free agent, one year prove it deal to come in and compete, and then an extremely Talented six foot one corner, and Yadam coming in to try and make a name for himself. If you go by what Vance Joseph said, it would be an open competition between Brock and Roby
1: to start as the number two. Regardless, though, whoever wins or loses that battle, both those corners will see the field a lot. They play a lot of three corner sets in their defense, so they're gonna have three starters ultimately. So you're gonna have Harris, Roby, and Brock. I don't think Yadam can win the spot right away. He's still a little raw around the edges. Not as raw as Brendan Langley, but still a little raw. He will be the long-term successor, potentially, to Chris Harris Jr., but he, to me, strikes me as a dime cornerback right now, the number four. And they're only going to keep five, so you will have it between Brendan Langley and Marcus Rios. And if a third-round pick gets beat out by an undrafted free agent, that's not good news for the Broncos and John Elway. So it's the third cornerback spot, it's kind of— redundant because you will see a lot of three-corner packages on the field. But I think in the early stages, it's Brock's job to lose if he, does, if he loses that job to Roby. So it's going to be Harris, Roby, and then Tremaine Brock. But you'll see a lot of Yadam, and you'll see some
0: Brendan Langley and when they keep five corners. You know, and that's the thing. Vance Joseph did say that. I personally don't buy it one iota. I think when you're paying a cornerback almost $10 million, You know, we go back to that same issue we we talked about with Valdir. To say nothing of Roby's track record in history and production as a Bronco and his draft pedigree, I don't think there's any question that Bradley Roby is going to start opposite of Chris Harris Jr. I think the only thing that would stop that from happening is if all of a sudden, going into a contract year, he just decides to mail it in and just completely falls off the rails. Like, I don't see that happening with Bradley Roby, but – it's really the only possible scenario I can see for him not winning that other job, the starting job anyway, opposite of Chris Harris jr. And, and even if he did, as you said, I mean, he's going to be playing starter snaps anyways, just like he has uh, over the last four seasons. So it is though a juicy competition. Uh, Look forward. Also, I know Eric trickle is working on a deep dive film analysis on Isaac Yadam. He's a guy that trickle spent a lot of time scouting this past uh, draft season. So look for that coming up Now, Lastly, on defense, we have the safety position. Obviously, it's you know safe to say that I think that Simmons, Justin Simmons, Darian Stewart, they're going to begin camp as the starters, and they'll probably finish camp as the starters. But Sua Craven's going to have a little something to say about it. Now, Zach, you published a way too early fifty-three man projection on Monday. Tell our listeners which safeties you have making the roster and how you see this battle shaking out. I really, really, really wanted to keep five safeties.
1: They are just so deep at this spot, but the math didn't add up. I had to cut one guy, and that guy, unfortunately, was Jamal Carter. He's a great special teams player. He really came on strong last year as an undrafted free agent, but someone's got to go. And after the Broncos picked up Cravens, you know, there's not a lot of spots to go around. So I'm not the biggest Darian Stewart fan. I was surprised the Broncos brought him back. But with Cravens in the fold taking away that that pass coverage responsibility – from Darian Stewart should help him out. I'm very high on Justin Simmons as a starter. The Broncos kind of interchange their positions from free safety and Mm -hmm. strong safety. I think Simmons should be the free safety and Stewart the strong safety, but they're going to mix that around a little bit. And Mm -hmm. Cravens will come on the field. If he doesn't win a safety spot, he will compete with Stewart. But if he doesn't win that spot, he will be on the field a lot on passing situations. Finally, defending those running backs, those tight ends in the middle of the field that that have hurt the Broncos for the last couple seasons at least now. No more Todd Davis in coverage. No more Stewart in coverage on tight ends. It's going to be Cravens. He's the man for the job. And as the fourth safety, you will keep Simmons, Stewart, Cravens, and Will Parks, of course. In that dime linebacker, you know, that hybrid role, I think Cravens will beat him out for that spot. But you're going to keep Parks in the full four special teams prowess. I wanted to keep five. I wanted to have Jamal Carter. I want Demonte Thomas,
0: but you cannot keep everyone. So you'll have Simmons, Stewart, Cravens, and Will Parks. The guy I'll say that that we should all keep an eye on as a dark horse to really make an impact and an impression in, in year two is the former Michigan Wolverine, DeMonte Thomas. Now, obviously, undrafted last year, ended up on the active roster late after being a practice squad guy for most of the season. And what I've been told is that he made an enormous impression on the Broncos coaching staff, Vance Joseph and company, last year. So it wouldn't surprise me to see them give him uh, some some you know playing time or some opportunities that reflect that regard that he earned late, but what does that mean for Jamal Carter? We'll see I'm personally not high at all on will Parks, and if I had to disagree with you on anything on that fifty three man roster projection, which again you know it's way too early. It's like the way too early nine bold predictions that I did on friday, you know we're right. we're having fun we're <clears throat> we're not necessarily pulling stuff out out of out of thin air but we're we're trying to project things based on information right now that is very surface based and, and in many cases uh, based on the past and things that have happened uh, 2017 and even before that. but I just don't I've never really been a big fan of will Parks. I don't really like his attitude. I don't think he's a very good outside of being you know kind of a that dinebacker in coverage he gets he gets exploited a lot. And we saw last year when he did get some extremely increased playing time, he didn't always answer the bell. A lot of missed tackles, a lot of poor angles, exploited in coverage. So I'm not a huge fan of Parks, but the guy, again, I'll say keep an eye on as a dark horse, Demonte Thomas out of Michigan. I agree with you on Parks.
1: I didn't like his attitude last year. He had that Snapchat incident with Paxton Lynch. That's right. He's not the best safety, but I do think he's a a fan, a favorite of Vance Joseph, one of his kind of his pet projects. And you know with Vance Joseph, he's not prone to making mind-numbing decisions on the roster (laughs) Uh, spots. Right now, that's the tentative for their keeping, but I can absolutely see either Carter or Thomas getting that spot over Uh, well, Parks, with a good training camp. But it remains to be seen. It is too early. I wanted to put it out there. A lot of good safeties in that back end, but the biggest addition is Suha Cravens, if only for his pass coverage ability. I love that pickup. It was one of my favorite pickups in a very active offseason.
0: Absolutely. It's going to be a fun competition. Now, last thing we're going to touch on before we move on to some other topics, and it's last but not least, the battle for punt and kick returner. Now, obviously, Broncos fans learned quickly last year how important it is to have a reliable returner fielding punts, and we know that Philip Lindsay, the undrafted rookie, factors into the competition. In fact, when Joseph was asked directly, we played this last uh, last week, I believe, as a sound clip about who factors in for punt returner. Lindsay's name was the first one he actually mentioned, which is saying something. But then you also got Isaiah McKenzie, who likely understands that winning the job is the only way he's keeping a, a roster spot. So. It will be great to see these guys outfielding punts here in the coming weeks. We'll start to kind of get a picture of of how that sits. But can McKenzie win back the trust of the coaching staff, Zach, or is that ship sailed? He
1: can, but he really has a long way to go. When you muff six punts in one season, six punts, it's, it's, it's tough to make that up and win back the trust of the coaches, win back the trust of the fan base. Don't forget the Broncos have a new coordinator on specials in Tom McMahon. This is a no-nonsense guy. He does not stand for any BS. He's not Brock Olivo. He's not a rah-rah type. He's a do-your-job type, and he will cut you or at least demote you if you don't do your job well. Philip Lindsay to me has that edge, if only because he had experience at Colorado in addition to running the ball. It's a local product, a feel good story, a very high pr- character kind of guy, high character player. And mm-hmm. he was the first name mentioned along with Deshaun Hamilton, Isaiah McKenzie, Ooh, and, right. and Jordan Taylor. But among those players, it's going to come down to, I believe, Hamilton, Lindsay, and McKenzie. Jordan Taylor is on coming back from hip surgery. He's not going to be a factor, I don't think. And McKenzie, he has a chance to do it, but it's going to be tough for him. I think coming off that brutal season, it's still stuck in his head a little bit. I hope it isn't, but it might be. And I think it's Philip Lindsay's job to lose, but we'll have to see what happens. It's going to be another good battle on this team and it can only make the players battling that much better.
0: Amen, brother. Well, we do still have a lot to get to, but before we do, let us holler at you about why you need to become a Mile High Huddle VIP subscriber. Listen, our approach to covering the Broncos is not just about reporting the news, although we do pride ourselves, obviously, on being able to relay to you all the breaking news on the Broncos as it's happening in real time. Zach is on top of that like nobody else in the market. What we like to focus on as well is breaking down the Broncos in depth, whether it's all 22 film reviews, X's and O's, you got deep dive player evaluation, and now coming out of the draft, you've heard us talk a little bit about it in today's show, analyzing the 2018 class. Now, you, we've touched on David Williams in a VIP film room, we've touched on Deshaun Hamilton, Cortland Sutton, it's only going to continue to go on. And we save our best and most in depth content for our VIP subscribers, our premium members. Now, to become a Mile High Huddle VIP and get access to 100% of our written analysis and our VIP insider forms, it's simple. Just click on the green banner at the top of the website. You can click the annual, you can click the monthly, either one, you'll be locked in. And from there, you get access to everything we produce, which includes any insider info. We pick up along the way from sources, and we work hard to bring you the best Broncos coverage and analysis on the web. I don't think anybody does it better than us, but we ask for your support by becoming a VIP subscriber. You pull the trigger. You have our word. You will not be disappointed. All right, now look, we have talked a lot about the Broncos backup QB job, and for good reason. You got the old cliche that the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy in town, But I feel like we're kind of glossing over Case Keenum a little bit. I mean, I think I've been pretty upfront about my view that Keenum is the first legit starter that Denver has had since Peyton Manning hung up his cleats. And I do think Broncos country is going to be pleasantly surprised by Keenum. But let's face it, Zach. I mean, he isn't exactly an all-pro, right? I mean, never been to a Pro Bowl. Last year was the first time we've seen him have any sustained success in the league and as impressive as it was – he is widely considered to be that one-year wonder. Now, I am confident in Keenum, ultimately, and I like what I've seen from him so far as a Bronco. But the question is, are we perhaps just kind of taking him for granted? Is he going to be going up against, you know, this week we're going to see him going up against the Broncos defense for the first time, really, and it's a lot of talent there. So we're going to start to see kind of how it's coming out in the wash, new system, new players, new everything. What's your outlook on Case Keenum's app. God, if there's
1: one thing we should have learned from the last couple years, it's that the Broncos don't need an all-pro back there at quarterback. They don't need a pro bowler. They need a guy who's not going to turn the football over. They need a steady hand. That's all they need with that defense. And I think Case Keenum can give them that. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Aaron Rodgers, but he's accurate. He's smart. He has surprising mobility in the pocket. He can make some plays there. And he will be a giant, giant upgrade, which is not saying much on the trifecta of Simeon Lynch and Osweiler. He's Was it a one-year wonder? It's too soon to say. I think the Vikings did a really good job last year surrounding him with a top-notch supporting cast and good coaching. The Broncos, to their credit, did a good job this offseason giving him a better offensive line by fixing right tackle, giving him better pass catchers and the receivers and tight ends, giving him better run game, and to come down to, as most most things do, is coaching. Can Vance Joseph and Bill Musgrave be on equal footing with Mike Zimmer and that Vikings coaching staff. But on talent level alone, Case Keenum is like an all-pro compared to Trevor Simeon. He's is like an all pro compared to Paxton <laughs> Lynch Brock Oswather. And he will be a good for at least one to two more wins right off the bat. And anything more than that's a bonus. Anything more than that, they can get into a wild card spot. You never know what can happen. But he he's gonna have all the weapons at his disposal and I think if he can play his style of game
0: they can win a lot of games with Case Keenum. You know, here's the thing that that we have another aspect that we haven't seen since Peyton Manning is the Broncos even take away this this uh, 2018 free agent and uh, rookie class. The Broncos have some established bona fide talent on offense, okay? But we didn't see anybody go to the Pro Bowl last year because there was not a competent quarterback there to call the signals, read the defense, distribute the football, okay? And lead. Let's not forget that as well. Okay? Now, Case Keenum comes into this, and I honestly believe that even though as I said, we want to be we want to pump the brakes on on, you know, just assuming he's going to be a stud, I do after all my study on this guy, I firmly believe that he is the type of quarterback that can come in and raise all ships and at the very least He's the type of quarterback who can extract that potential, extract that talent from his supporting cast, whether it's Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders on the outside, the rookies and the young guys playing from the slot, your Jake Butts. You're going to see the offensive line take a significant step forward in terms of their overall execution and also how they're viewed by the the analytic sites like Pro Football Focus and Football Outsiders because – Keenum knows how to play the position. He's not going to bail out of pockets early. He's going to stand tall. He's going to wait till the last second for that route to develop before he delivers the football. These type of things are going to trickle down. And I honestly am extremely optimistic that he's going to be great. But I just think that with all the talk we've seen lately, Zach, of the backup quarterback position, that we're kind of losing sight on the question mark that is Case Keenum when you really get down to it in terms of, you know, the question of him was he a one hit wonder? Uh, and, and how that plays out. But one thing real quick before I serve this back up to you that Carl brought up in that piece on Hamilton is and I've noticed it myself, you know, you go back and watch the film of how defenses played the Denver Broncos over the last two years. From the snap you see safeties cheat to the outside to the to the hash marks to cover Thomas and to cover Sanders. Double team. So you got a corner covering each guy, right? Then you got safeties that as soon as the ball is snapped and they show their hand, they're sneaking out, they're cheating out to cover the outside because they knew, they had absolutely no respect for the Broncos, quarterbacks, whichever one it was, capitalizing on the one-on-one matchups over the middle of the field. And I think that between Case Keenum and the influx of talent the Broncos have put into position there, we're going to see that change in 2018. From a team-wide perspective, it's going to help the Broncos, mentally and physically,
1: not have to go through another quarterback competition. Knowing who their starter is from day one, no elongated competition, there's no preseason games that can determine who the quarterback is going to be. You can build valuable reps with your starters, with Case Keenum and his, his supporting cast, and that's going to help the whole offense and help the team as a result. When you talk about the offense and the defense, the longer the offense is on the field, is the less the defense is on the field. The more points they can put on the board is the less, you know, the more of the defense can pin their ears back and go to work. It yeah. all stems from the offense. It all snowballs. So having a more stable hand, he doesn't have to be great. He doesn't have to be an all-pro. He just has to be good and consistent, and that's what Case Keenum is. And to the Broncos' credit, they got a good, consistent veteran quarterback coming off a career year for only $18 million. I say only $18 million a year because that's chump change <laughs> compared to Kirk Cousins, who yeah. got a fully guaranteed $90 million deal. So, yeah. From a player perspective, though, going against the Broncos defense every day in practice is going to make Case Keenum better. The Broncos defense, to me, is just as good, if not better, than the Vikings defense. So iron sharpens iron. It's only going to mm-hmm. help both sides of the, of the equation there. And Case Keenum is the guy who can get them over the hump. Is he Peyton Manning in its prime? No. But it doesn't have to be. It just has to be consistent and reliable,
0: and that's what Case Canem is. Couldn't have said it better myself. Now, we are getting a little bit long on time, so we'll we'll go through these last two segments so we can get to uh, the mailbag, a couple of questions here. Longtime listeners of, of the Huddle Up podcast are familiar with the Step Your Game Up segment. It has traditionally, however, been reserved for players in season who are not performing up to snuff on a week-to-week basis, but... Coming off that 5-11 and finish, Zach, we got, there's some players got to step it up. Which guys, in your mind, just really quickly, and we'll move on here, have to step up their level of execution and performance in 2018 as we're on the doorstep of OTAs? How much time have we got?
1: <laughs> you can name so many players that have to step their game up from last year, but I'll name a few real quick. Devontae Booker, a guy who has injury concerns, ball security concerns. The pressure's on now with C.J. Anderson gone. He's going to be the de facto number one, but he's going to have to prove he he can be the number one. And with Royce Freeman breathing down his back, you know it's, he's going to the spotlight's going to be on him. Uh, Carlos Henderson, we touched on him. He had a washout rookie season. He's competing for that number three spot. Another guy who has competition with Sutton, Hamilton, Taylor, and McKenzie. So he's going to have to prove he wasn't a wasted pick, coming off that injury, coming off that marijuana arrest. Garrett Bowles. This is one of my biggest players that has to prove he can be a long-term you know, starter for the Broncos. He had penalty problems last year, technique issues, he allowed a lot of sacks. The Broncos are hoping they can get a sophomore bounce back from him as Keenum's blindside protector. Stable quarterback play with Keenum should help, like it should help most of the offense, but he has to prove he can be left on an island against great pass rushers in the AFC West and the NFL. A couple more Players is Demarcus Walker. That's one guy, of course. Like I said, he has breakout potential. He's moved back to the defensive end full time. He flashed late last year. But as a second rounder, he needs to produce. Regardless, whether he's on the field, what what his title is, he needs to produce. So I'm looking for him. And also, finally, Bradley Roby. Mm. He finally played well last year consistently he forced the broncos hand to move on from a keep to leave he's going to be a starter or at least a significant contributor and he has to show he's worthy of that first round draft status he's worthy of being paid close to 10 million and worthy of being paid uh, with a new contract next offseason as a free agent
0: so those are my five and I think good. you can name a lot more than that, but I wanted to keep it short okay. for uh, for time reasons. And that's a good point. A couple guys I'll mention. We've already touched on the reasons why, but obviously Paxton Lynch, Jeff Heierman, but got to throw in Menelik Watson, whom the Broncos ultimately chose to bite the bullet and keep on the roster. They're paying him a significant chunk of change, and he is going to get an opportunity commensurate with what he's earning. So I want to see him really show... Inside, where perhaps he can utilize his size, power, and strength to more of a benefit to him as an individual and as the Broncos' offensive line as a whole. So those three guys, Watson, Lynch, Hireman, uh, along with the five Zach mentioned. Now, before we get out of here, we've got to take a quick peek inside the Mile High Mailbag because we are your Broncos priests. We're here to offer absolution and answers to your burning questions and our first one here comes from roger on twitter at broncoguy 781 his question even with josie jewel would you still consider the linebacker core shaky because there's no athletic player uh or at least athletic enough to cover tight ends and running backs your answer for roger's that? Well, it's not their strength for
1: sure. They're not going to be known as a a pass-covering group of linebackers, but Josie Jewell, that's one of his strengths, is covering running backs and covering tight ends at least pretty well in the middle of the field. So he will help out. The Broncos might miss Corey Nelson, who is one of the better inside linebackers and pass coverage in the nfl but they're never going to be known as a pure sideline to sideline group they're better against the run but the bigger acquisition the broncos made to that point is with Sue cravens he's going to be that linebacker pretty much Mm. in the middle of the field he's going to be that dimebacker and they're going to put him in situations where he can defend running backs and tight ends so i wouldn't worry too much about the linebacker core when it comes to defending tight ends running backs i think that is craven's wheelhouse and he will succeed there immensely
0: Three points real quick, Roger, for you here. Number one, Josie Jewell defensed more than 30 passes uh, as a collegiate. Okay, so he's not the fastest straight-line linebacker, but he plays, his on-field speed is good, and it's enough is really what I'm getting at. And two is don't sleep on Brandon Marshall, who battled that shoulder injury last year. Wasn't quite himself, but when healthy, he can cover. And then three, to Zach's point, When the Broncos go to the big nickel, okay, that's when they bring in three safeties and three DBs and a linebacker, okay? That's when you're going to see them primarily in terms of trying to cover, you know, match up against tight ends and and running backs out of the field or out of the backfield. That's when you're going to see Sua Cravens uh, really making his money and trying to show what he can do. Uh, for his his bosses there at Dove Valley. So keep an eye on that. I'm not as worried about it as I was before the offseason. I think the Broncos did a good job at addressing that overall, and let's just hope that a healthy Brandon Marshall can make quite a big difference as well. Uh, last question, then we are out of here. From Jacob, great friend of the show, at JS Mile High 9798 what effect has Gary Kubiak had on the draft, the organization, and the staff? since his role was elevated. Zach? Say what you want about Gary Kubiak as a
1: head coach. The guy just has an eye for talent. He's a great talent evaluator. You cannot take that away from him. And John Elway trusts him enough... In both a personal relationship and a professional relationship to trust his instinct when it comes to identifying players that can help the Broncos. They they promoted him, as Jacob said, to a front office role in part because John Elway trusts him so much. And it's hard to crack Elway's inner circle. So Kubiak's a great, great personnel advisor, a great talent evaluator, and it has helped the Broncos as a coach, you know, you can debate whether he did the best thing with the quarterbacks with Lynch and Simeon, but as a front office advisor, it's an excellent move for John Elway to have that second right-hand man along with Matt Russell. I like Gary
0: Kubiak a lot in that role, and he will only help the Broncos going forward. I think one of the big effects you've seen from Gary Kubiak's uh more elevated role in the front office is the caliber of players the team selected in the draft in terms of, and you've heard us talk about it on this show now going on a month almost, about the leadership, the character, the priorities, all of these things that are in line and on par with their natural talents and abilities. So I think that's something that can be also directly tied to Gary Kubiak. But listen up, guys. That's it for today. By this time next week, we're going to have a ton of, to talk about and sink our teeth into. So look forward to that and stay tuned. You can find my partner Zach Kelberman on Twitter, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad N. Jensen. As always, though, the best way to get a direct response from us, hit us up on the MHH Insiders Premium Message Board. Also, keep in mind, too, we haven't talked about this on the show, but twice a week Zach does a Facebook Live on the Denver Broncos on 24-7 Sports Facebook page. So keep an eye out for that as well. We're always going to try to engage with you as often as we can on social media, so don't be shy about asking us questions. But also, here's a reminder and a call to action, support Mile High Huddle and become a VIP subscriber. And speaking of that, subscribing, make sure you're doing so to the podcast, y'all. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. Mile High Huddle.